Hello, and welcome to Grading God's Sight, the podcast that explores underrated heroes. This is Season 3, and we're so glad you've joined us for today's episode entitled, Philip Melanchthon, Nothing But Heaven. Please be sure to subscribe and check out the fantastic artwork that goes along with today's story on our website, thegreatpodcast.org. That's thegreatpodcast.org. Thanks for listening. In the year 1530, a splendid array of princes, bishops, rulers, and theologians assembled in the Bavarian city of Augsburg. The rich robes of the bishops and ornamented crowns of the emperor and princess made for a spectacular event. Thirteen years had passed since Luther posted his 95 theses, and Germany had since undergone substantial political changes. Many of the German cities and princes now supported the reformer and embraced his biblical teachings. As a genuinely ardent Catholic, Charles V felt his Holy Roman Empire threatened by the wave of Lutheranism sweeping through it. He decided to call the Diet of Augsburg to reconvert his wayward subjects to the Catholic faith. The Lutheran princes, however, were not keen on forsaking their beliefs for expediency's sake. The previous year, at the Diet of Speyer, five princes and fourteen free cities had delineated a formal protest against Charles V's demands. But now, during these tense moments, Luther could not venture to Augsburg with the emperor's death decree still on his head. No, he must remain sequestered in Coburg Castle, in northern Bavaria. But as his representative in Augsburg, Luther chose a gifted young professor from the University of Wittenberg named Philip Melanchthon. While Melanchthon's simple garb stood in bleak contrast to the frills and finery adorning prince and prelate, his bright eyes and high forehead attested to his sharp and scholarly mind. Here was a man fully capable of leading the Protestant coalition as well as articulating their position in writing. Philip Melanchthon was born in 1497 to George and Barbara Schwarzerd of Baden, Germany. Schwarzerd literally means black earth in German, and when Philip grew older, he changed his last name to Melanchthon, the Greek translation of Black Earth. This modification stemmed from his lifelong passion for the Greek language. Herr Schwarzeld took great pride in providing his children with a good education and sent Philip to an illustrious school where he learned Latin and Greek. It was here that he formally changed his name. He eagerly desired knowledge of every science, but esteemed theology as the crown of sciences. By age 14, he received a Bachelor of Liberal Arts from the University of Heidelberg, and by age 17, had completed a master's degree. Erasmus, the leading scholar of the day, had the following to say of Melanchthon. What promise does not that youth or boy, as we might term him, Philip Melanchthon, hold out? He is about equally eminent in Latin and Greek. What acuteness in argument! What quickness of invention! What purity of diction! What modesty and gracefulness of behavior, and what a princely mind! The many talents Erasmus described, Melanchthon chose to invest in the service of God and others. By the time he reached middle age, he had played a significant role in the biggest religious revolution in Christian history. The prime years of Melanchthon's life coincided with many momentous events throughout Europe. In 1526, the first Diet of Speyer, 
granted each German state self-determination in matters of religion based on the decision of its local prince. Three years later, however, Charles V called for a second Dietetspeier with the goal of reversing the prince's religious freedom and exterminating heresy. The emperor succeeded in passing legislation to end religious toleration, yet it was here that a number of German princes set forth their formal protest, from where we get the term Protestant. The following year, 1530, at the Diet of Augsburg, Melanchthon presented a systematic statement of Lutheran beliefs known as the Augsburg Confession, which all the Protestant princes signed. Upon adding his signature, one of the princes remarked, I desire to confess the Lord. My electoral hat and my office are not so precious to me as the cross of Jesus Christ. I would rather renounce my subjects and my states. Unfortunately, the emperor underestimated the determination of the protesting princes to adhere to their beliefs. Civil war ensued. Fortunately for the Lutherans, the Turks were a major military distraction to Charles V. Neither the princes nor the emperor achieved a decisive victory, but the decision of the first Diet of Speyer was finally re-established, allowing each German state to choose for itself in matters of religion. Much of Melanchthon's work of reformation during this time hinged on his relationship with Martin Luther. This association resembled the closeness of a father and a son, Luther as the father, Melanchthon as the son. Melanchthon's gentle demeanor often served to balance Luther's abrasive boldness and nudge him to a milder conduct and belief. On the other hand, Luther's courage inspired the younger man. Melanchthon never acquired complete independence of his mentor, but often used his scholarship and intellect to elaborate on Luther's ideas. It's possible that Luther never came to fully appreciate Melanchthon's mild but logical method. He once stated, I think, when I reflect on the matter, that my way is still the best. I speak right out and scold my opponents like schoolboys, for a naughty stump requires a tough wedge. Certainly, Luther's approach was effective in some situations, but it could not always have been the best way. In reality, however, the two men complemented each other almost ideally. Luther himself expressed confidence in Melanchthon as his successor. He told the younger reformer, If my enemies put me to death, continue to teach and stand fast in the truth. Labor in my stead. If you survive, my death will be of little consequence. While the two men had many differences, they made an effective team. Melanchthon's theological writings were mostly echoes and clarifications of Luther's thoughts, but his logic and persuasiveness gained support in academic circles that Luther had not reached. In a few areas, Melanchthon modified Luther's position. These points included the role of the believer in his or her conversion, the Lord's Supper, and the necessity of good works in salvation. Good works, for example, Melanchthon viewed as the essential counterpart of faith, whereas Luther stressed the importance of faith above works. Melanchthon believed good works were necessary to salvation, but they could not earn salvation. Some Protestants accused Melanchthon of weakening Luther's teachings and even collaborating with Catholics. In response, Melanchthon said, I know that the people decry our moderation, but it does not become us to heed the clamor of the multitude. 
we must labor for peace and for the future. It will prove a great blessing for us all if unity be restored in Germany. It is important to note that Germany had experienced a civil war and a peasant's revolt during Melanchthon's lifetime. Perhaps these factors contributed to his tranquil nature and desire for harmony, yet never did his wish for peace cause him to waver in his conviction that the Bible rather than the papacy was to be man's spiritual guide. Melanchthon firmly adhered to his core beliefs, even while conceding ground on other issues to preserve peace. Education was a field very close to Melanchthon's heart. He served as professor of Greek at the University of Wittenberg for 42 years and frequently started his days at 2 o'clock in the morning to prepare for lectures at 6 o'clock. He enjoyed teaching, but his love for education went beyond giving lessons in Greek. He produced textbooks on nearly every subject and helped found schools in at least 56 cities. He also aided in the establishment of multiple universities and university preparatory schools. For his dedication to educating German youth, he has been given the title Preceptor of Germany. When contemplating the Reformation and other great events of history, we tend to focus on outspoken, iconic individuals like Martin Luther. There is nothing wrong with that, but let us be careful not to minimize those who quietly, tirelessly worked alongside them. Often consigned to Luther's shadow, Philip Melanchthon played an essential role in the Reformation. He represented Luther at Augsburg, formulated a confession of Lutheran beliefs, initiated education reforms, and elaborated on Luther's theology. In all his work, Melanchthon kept the gospel as his focus. He walked with God and received divine wisdom and energy to undertake the important work of Reformation. On his deathbed, an attendant asked him if there was anything he wished for. In reply, he stated, Nothing but heaven. He longed to be reunited with his Christian brothers and sisters before the throne of Jesus, where pain and death and sin would no longer reign. If you have a similar longing in your heart, recognize that God placed it there and that he has a work for you to do. If you aren't a Martin Luther, you can be a Philip Melanchthon. God uses all types. Thank you for listening to Great in God's Sight, a podcast by GYC Southeast. We hope you have enjoyed this adventure through time and pray it serves to deepen your relationship with God. While we strive to bring you a unique perspective on each believer, we encourage you to use your God-given curiosity to explore these topics for yourself. Please remember to hit the subscribe button and share this episode with your friends via text or social media. You never know who might be encouraged. Until next time, we wish you God's blessing as you seek to be great in His sight too.